This episode of the Nerdball Podcast is sponsored by Jake Paluski at Real JP Multimedia. All the music you hear uh, on this podcast he created out of thin air on his awesome equipment. Uh, podcast couldn't get done without him. So uh, check him out if you have any audiovisual needs at realjp.com, R-E-E-L-J-P.com. Let's start the show. This is uh, Zach George of Fish and Fowl Adventures, and this evening we are shooting an episode of the Nerdball Podcast. The Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. All right, Zach. Prime the the top question that people want to know is: Are you do you enjoy having two first names? <laughs> uh, so technically, <laughs> I have three first names. Yeah, I so was thinking about uh, your middle name too, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't know your middle name. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Zachary Scott George. Oh, um, nice, nice. So that's my comeback every time somebody says that you shouldn't trust a guy with two first names. Um, but, that is uh, like, what about three? What do you yeah, mean? right. Uh, no, so I mean, it's a conversation starter. I don't know. I like to talk. So uh, as long as the hospitals don't uh, mix up which name is first, you know, then I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, in the intro, you said you're uh, you were at Fish and Fowl Adventures. Um, before the podcast, I was asking, is that is that your business, or is it something you're part of, or is it something you just work with, or how how is that? Yeah, so um, Fish and Fall Adventures essentially is a, a DBA, so doing business as uh, Fish and Fall Adventures. So there's multiple independent contractors. Oh, okay. That essentially group our powers together, and uh, you know to increase marketing prowess um, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, there is three main individuals who uh, who run the business um and then we do have uh, a couple guys who work for us as well okay so do you guys have like specialties or do you pretty much all do the same stuff so we um we, we definitely have specialties um the well i should say i have specialties outside of the the others okay. um so fish and fall adventures you know what you see on social media um what you see you know for the most part is lake erie walleye fishing mm-hmm. um yeah and that's the you know that's the thing that we're blessed with uh, where Lake Erie is the world's uh, walleye capital of the world, you know, mm-hmm. so um, it's definitely a popular thing. Now, where I get into kind of the niche um, side of the business is the uh, the Maumee River uh, walleye run. So okay. I specialize in that. Um, I also run uh, guided duck hunts out of layout boats. So so those are the two things that really set us apart um, from any other outfitter on Lake Erie. Okay. The, the, the norm is just walleye trolling Lake Erie, uh, yeah. but we offer the the additional variety of items as well okay and i know uh, we we went to high school together and i i knew you back then and you were into that then too right into fishing i was uh, uh, i don't know so much the hunting but i know fishing for sure yep so uh, i started fishing at a really young age uh, my dad and my grandfather really um you know kind of drove that uh, that into me that was the fun thing to do yeah. um you know we grew up on the banks of the Maumee river essentially so uh, when I moved to Perrysburg from Otsego, it was between fifth and sixth grade. So I had that summer and, uh, you know, I just walked down to the river every single day, uh, where my brothers were playing video games. Uh, I chose to go catfishing every day and, uh, smallmouth bass fishing. So that, that really, you know, is, is kind of what started me down this course, if you will. Okay. And, and hunting, what about that? So hunting started, uh, in my early twenties, okay. uh, my cousin, Kale Swanson out of, uh, Otsego, uh, Haskins area, he got me into hunting and, 
it was um, really just to kind of fulfill a gap in fishing. Uh, so typically there's a time in fishing between your fall fishing and your ice fishing mm-hmm. where it's really cold. Um, so it, uh, to me, it was like, all right, well, whatever, I'll do this. Um, and my, my very first hunt uh, was a goose hunt and a duck hunt on the Maumee River at Weir's Rapids. And it was, you know, a life-changing event. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we went out there in the dark. Um, I knew where we were from fishing the area okay. often, but, uh, gosh, we went out there in the dark. It was icy. We had to walk halfway across the river <laughs> and then walk through waist-deep water to get to an island. Um, and we hunted on that island. And, uh, you know, that, that experience really um, set me into course to, uh, to really, again, kind of change everything that I've ever thought I wanted to do yeah. uh, with my life. So it was, it was a really cool experience. Um, so has it always been just, just duck hunting or goose hunting, bird hunting, or have you hunted like deer? Uh, I've hunted everything, okay. uh, or at least, you know, most of the stuff here in the Around Midwest here. anyways. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, duck hunting was the big thing at first, um, that then turned into deer hunting, uh, which turned into competitive archery. Uh, I traveled oh, wow. around the country shooting. Um, oh, did you really? Tell yeah. me, uh, yep. that, tell, uh, I'll stop you there. Cause I want to tell me a little bit about that. I, um, so I assume that's, that was in your twenties also, It was right. Mm-hmm. Um, how, so, so it just manifested, like you said, it, it just turned into all these things. So when you, when you started this, what was, what was the thing that to get you to, Hey, I'm going to do this. Um, well, so the, the, the charter business, um, it, it actually, you know, was something that, uh, growing up as a little kid, I always watched fishing shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I was the crazy little kid that would wake up at four or five in the morning and, <laughs> you know, we're, we're in our, our mid thirties now. So yeah. back in the, uh, in the mid nineties, they used to have fishing shows in the morning on network t- television. Okay. Um, so I'd wake up really early. I'd watch fishing shows of Florida and different places. And, uh, then my brothers would wake up and they'd fight me and want to watch cartoons and things. And I'm like, Nope, sorry. I was first come first serve. Um, and I always thought that it would be neat to eventually one day, you know, do that maybe when I retire okay. uh, as kind of like a hobby business. Um, well then I got to a point where, you know, I really just wanted to build a clientele while I was young, you know, yeah. to, essentially know you know everybody i'm hunting and fishing with you know by the time i'm ready to do oh, that yeah, uh, full-time yeah. so um what initially was a retirement hobby goal is now turning into a how quick can it be a, a full-time um gig type yeah, thing yeah so so how how was the um competition archery so the archery stuff um that came into play just because of my mentality so i'm a bit of a perfectionist mm-hmm. um I, I typically you know go two feet into everything i do so um, I got into deer hunting, um, and my first season, I saw a really, really big buck, um, and I had only gun hunted at that point. Uh, well, the gun season in Ohio is really, really short. We have um, about nine days to shotgun hunt, and then four days in January to primitive weapon or muzzleloader hunt. Okay. Um, so shooting a bow extended that. Uh, so <laughs> I saw this really big buck um, the, the last day of the muzzleloader season in January, and I got to thinking, man... I got to buy a bow because I have four more weeks to hunt. And, essentially, and have you ever? I had never. With a bow I, no, I'd never oh, shot wow. a bow before. So, <laughs> so I, I had a friend of mine um, who traveled around, and you know, he shot archery, and he was he was a heck of a shot. And I'm like, Matt, I need a bow really bad. Um, I got this big deer. I, I got to get him. You know, so um, so I bought a bow. Uh, I practiced like crazy. Um, I went out and I never saw the deer again. Um, uh, I actually chased that same deer for like six years. Um, did you really? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I became quite an obsession. Wow. Um, but, uh, <laughs> did you name it? I did. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. His name was Granddaddy. <laughs> um, I how, up, how, how big was it? Or how he was points? big. I mean, he was he was very big uh, the first time I saw him, and the, the last picture I ever had of him was was a picture that uh, was I mean a world class deer. It was it was a monster for yeah. sure. 
Did, do you know if anybody got it? I, I don't think so, uh, because you know he was he was the size of deer that if somebody did it, it would have been in like a local paper type of thing wow. uh, or you know local bait shop type yeah. of pictures. Um, so I, I don't believe anybody did. And where was it? Was that around here? It was. It was in Wood County. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> now, okay, that that brings me to another question. I've I've known other hunters, and it seems like the hunting real estate is so hush hush, like. Like, do you, you have a place to hunt on Ohio? Yeah. Where? It, it's over there. You know, like, right. it just seems like it's so secretive. Is that, yeah, is so, that how it is? So, so up here, we just, we have very small tracts of woods, you know, yeah. in these really, really large farm fields. So um, primarily deer hunting is very, very tough to get permission. Um, and when you have permission, typically it's family type of ties. Uh-huh. Um, and on top of that, you really don't want people around you to kind of know the quality of deer you have um, because you have very, very small opportunity to be able to harvest that deer in okay. that small track of woods. Okay. Um, so that's that's why it's hush-hush. Um, the, the duck hunting in the area is is a little bit more open. Uh, we have lots of public land. Um, you know, the Maumee River is not a ton of public land, but, uh, you know, Lake Erie is just a monstrosity, you know, yeah. of size, of marsh systems, uh, shoreline hunting, you know, and different things. Um so it's a little bit more open than okay. uh, than the deer hunting is. Yeah, I, I know that makes sense about the woods because I mean it is a lot of farm field. I know my um, Andrea's cousin has about 30, 30 plus acres in New York, right out of his backyard that he nice. hunts in. And awesome, it, but it's at, like there's woods everywhere. There's still farm fields out there, mm-hmm. but. Um, it, it just seems like I went hunting out there one time and it was like, I think there was like six of us that went out at one time <laughs> and that's the only time I ever hunted. And I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was cool. Um, I, uh, I would probably do it again. It was just, I saw turkeys. Nice. Um, so that was, that was, I've never seen like turkeys fly down mm-hmm. before. So that was pretty cool. Um, so it's fun. I understand why people love it. And, and you've taken me and my family out before and it's fun doing it. Um, and I'm glad that you, could find something that you love and turn it into a job because that's that makes it so much easier. Right? It, it, it does. Um, you know, it's something that I, I definitely really, really enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had your your mom on here with Big Daddy Graphics, <laughs> and I I mentioned. Well, first of all, I didn't know that. Basically, um, all of you, meaning the children, are like entrepreneurs. Yeah, it seems to be. And um, I I had mentioned how cool that was. That that's what they did, and then and you guys just found your way basically doing the same thing just different businesses yeah it was uh um you know i I guess growing up you know we saw our parents um start a hobby business if Mm -hmm. you will and turn it into a you know a full brick and mortar uh local business in the area and i think it definitely set the foundation you know to to what's possible uh, if you find what you love yeah and she also told me that you got mad at her when um you washed when she washed and dried your under armor incorrectly do you remember I mean, that? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so the funny thing is, so she's talking about, uh, um, you know, moisture wicking yes, material yes. anyways, and, yep. and how, uh, if you have fabric softener and it doesn't mi- or wick moisture so well, <laughs> well, uh, I always had jobs when I was younger and, uh, you know, I worked for, um, paper routes and different things. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were kids, you know, the only time you saw Under Armour was in like a magazine that you yeah. get like once a year or yeah. something. I even forget the name of the magazine now. Um, but I bought this Under Armour shirt. Believe it or not, I still have it. So I'm 36. I think I bought it when I was like 15, and I still have it. I told her, I was like, you were the Under Armour dude on the yeah. football team. You had everything. I did, yeah. you know, because, again, I worked, so I got to buy it yeah. you know, for myself type yeah. of stuff. So, but that, Yeah, that was, I thought that was funny. When she, <laughs> she, she did say the same thing about fabric software. Yeah. So. It's funny. I'm, I'm still the same way. Whites go with whites, dark go with yeah. darks. <laughs> All that stuff gets separate. You know, I, I used to be that way until uh, – 
we had our first our son and there was too much laundry to be separating sure so it was it made everyone just everything just goes in there yeah <laughs> now i did have to put an end to washing my clothes with his clothes there's a lot of times i would put a sh- shirt on and um like an hour into work, a little baby sock would come out of my arm <laughs> sleeve. So I had to put an end to that. That's funny. Uh, okay. So so did, so did you were talking about finding a bow for the first time and, and tracking down this deer. Um, talk about how you went around the country doing these yeah, so, competitions, um, or, or I guess how long it took you. So you know? the archery stuff, um, again, it just uh, it, it's something you can do year-round. You know, you can shoot your bow essentially at targets, you know, year-round. Yeah. So um it, it's it's sport um it is you know a lot of hand-eye or uh coordination mm-hmm. um a lot of muscle memory you know type of things and you know when you really start getting good at archery specifically the outdoor archery that i was shooting um you have to uh, judge yardage so you don't know the distance oh, of a okay. target you have an idea so it's essentially it was within 15 to 40 yards um uh, but you have to judge and you'd think that being a yard or two off in your judgment really wouldn't mean too much. Um, but in the, the world of competitive archery, every millimeter counts, you know, yeah. as far as being able to get closest to your scoring points. So um, it turned into just local stuff on the weekends. I just go out with some buddies and uh, shoot some local, you know, archery ranges outdoors. I know the Metro Parks actually has one now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there, there wasn't a ton in the area uh, when we were younger. So a lot of it was in central Michigan, Indiana, uh, Kentucky type of stuff. Um that turned into, uh, you know, just shooting a state event. I shot a Michigan state event, uh, did well, and it turned into uh, shooting nationals. I shot a few national events. Oh, wow. I, I shot worlds uh, one year, and uh, and, how, and how'd you do in these? I did really well. I mean, yeah. I didn't win, you know, type of thing yeah. uh, per se. I hunted in, or I, I shot in the hunter class. Uh, so that's essentially an open class, a non-sponsored athlete okay. um, style class. So you're, you're spending all the money yourself, you know, if you're traveling your equipment and whatnot. Um, and, and there's a lot of guys, you know, across the country that just kind of pick it up and, and do that for fun yeah. um, type of thing. It, I really enjoyed it, um, but uh, it did take a lot of time. And yeah. as I started really getting into waterfowl, um, and uh, an increasing uh, the amount of time I spent on a boat on Lake Erie throughout the course of the summer um, chasing walleye, it uh, it really took away you know from that that necessary time to be kind of top of your craft type of thing. Yeah, cause, yeah, because I would imagine there's you had to spend a lot of that time to to get to be number one. Or, oh yeah, right? I mean it was shooting every single day for a couple hours in the yeah. backyard type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember we it was the day of Adam Gump's wedding. We were all in the people who were in the wedding were in the hotel room. We were watching um, Olympic archery. Oh, they're really serious. I I have never seen a group of dudes get so excited watching art because <laughs> one of them one of them was from from the U.S. Yeah. So we were we were going nuts and just just and we probably never watched archery mm-hmm. before or since or after. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it was so much fun. It's such a good memory, you know. Yeah. That. But yeah, those dudes are. Insane. I mean, it, it's again, it's it's unbelievable the uh, the the precision that uh, some of these world class shooters shot with. Yeah, and we watch it. If you get a, if you get a, if you don't get a ten, you're you're not gonna win. Oh yeah, and, and you have to have all perfect tens. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like literally just one mistake and one mistake by a couple of millimeters, yeah. your your whole thing is done. You it's, know, it's very impressive. I, I do, I do, I did enjoy watching it. Um, I do not seek that stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you're just, you're not sitting at home watching archery competitions no. all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, when you when you were younger fishing and stuff, obviously you fished the mommy. 
Um, did you did you fish other like did you like other spots around here? Um, yeah, so so we did a lot of uh, um, you know guys we grew up with. Uh, we did a lot of like golf course fishing, um, ice fishing in the wintertime on different ponds and mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, a little bit of traveling, you know, to just fish for different style of fish okay. uh, into like northern Indiana and into Michigan um, and so forth. Really got into boating uh, as I graduated high school um, and expanded, you know, the the small body of water stuff to you uh, know Lake okay. Erie, Detroit River, uh, Lake St. Clair mm-hmm. and so forth. Did you ever get in trouble when you're like when we were in high school, you guys are just putzing around these golf courses or maybe uh, not so private uh, ponds? Um, well, I mean, I can't say that I never did anything that I could have gotten in trouble for, but, uh, but, but the, the rap sheet is clean uh, yeah, okay. from, from back then. <laughs> I just, I, I, uh, some of these, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I, I'm on there and some of the people I follow are like fishers, yeah. fish, fishermen who go and have encounters with people right. who are like, Hey, you're not supposed to be here. Well, you know, it know. happens a lot because, um, you know, a lot of times you might have permission, you know? So if I have permission, um, from a landowner that lives on a lake on a golf course, mm-hmm. um, you have other, you know, homeowners that, yeah. that don't want you there, and, you that's know, so, what it was, and they don't yeah. recognize you. So even though you may be legal, uh, they, they might not like it. You yeah. know, so I definitely had uh, quite a few encounters through the years with, uh, you know, people that just didn't want you near their property, or yeah. uh, people who didn't like the fact that you fished or you hunted, you know, type of things. Yeah. So, um, but it's just like anything, you know, anything you do in life, you find some pushback here and there. <laughs> I would imagine you're a big dude. I would imagine not too many people would come at you. But. No, you'd, you'd really be surprised, Fred. So I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised you said that. Being another large gentleman, I, I feel like more people yeah. uh, come up to me and, and give me grief because they assume that I'd never do anything to yeah. them. You know? Oh, we're we're the we're the same way as far as uh, our size and the fact that um, I I don't know about you. I've never gotten into a fight with anybody, um, but the fact that. I wouldn't, in my life, I, I couldn't fathom, like, getting angry enough to wanting to hit somebody. Right. Now, obviously, if it was something, like, with my family or whatever, but just, like, the run-of-the-mill stuff, like, I just, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at de-escalating yeah. situations. Yeah. So. My, well, my dad always told me, you're, you, I think I talked about it in the last podcast, he's like, you're big, but there's always going to be someone crazy, then they don't care how big you are. Right. You know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> maybe lot, it was all those homeowners. A, a lot of guys trying to prove a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... So now you you wh- 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 you now you have boats and you and you go around every. What yep. do you remember your first boat? Um, yeah, so I, I still own it. Um, okay. I uh, actually it was the boat you and your family were on in the Maumee oh, River. Nice. Um, so that boat uh, is was a custom made um, boat for duck hunting down in Louisiana. Um, they they duck hunt a lot of uh, like flooded timber holes. So they have really thick. Um, Aluminum boats okay. that are flat bottom, and uh, so they can go into shallow water. But if they hit a tree or something, you know, that's submerged, it doesn't damage ah, it. Ah, okay. Uh, so that boat, you know, works perfect uh, up here on the Maumee River. Yeah, because I I didn't know until I started working um, at at Providence Metro Park that um, I didn't even know that dam existed. Really? Until I got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I knew the Maumee was shallow, but the, but obviously that's the reason it's shallow. There's sure. A, there's a dam there. Yeah. And um, so that makes sense that that boat would be perfect for, especially where you took us. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to, uh, you definitely have to have smaller vessels, um, you know, in that area that you, that we fish the walleye run. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I know, you know, now from working, you know, in Grand Rapids that the, uh, the river's a whole different animal from Grand Rapids to Defiance. You yeah. know, it's, it's deep water, big boats, you know, a lot of skiing and, and so forth. Yeah. So 
Um, it's, it's a pretty neat body of water that is, is very, very uh, diverse, if you will, or very, mm-hmm. very different depending on which square, you know, which stretch of mile you're, you're on. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's cool to see too. I, I do enjoy, um, I know when this summer was really dry and, um, it, the river was real low. My supervisor kept telling me, it's like, man, I haven't seen this, the river this low in a long time. So it was cool. Like even when I was at work, I could walk halfway across without getting my boots wet. Yeah. That's how, that's how shallow <laughs> it was. Some kayakers would start right at the dam and we could just hear their kayak scraping right. the whole time. Like, Hey man, you might want to do, go somewhere else. Well, I know that it's bad. The day that, uh, that I saw you down there, uh, this summer, I was, I hadn't been down there in a long time, years actually. And uh, another person we graduated high school with, Tim Grogan was yeah. there. Uh, so we went, uh, we were going to go catfishing. We had been catfishing at the Grand Rapids Dam for probably 10 plus years. Wow. And we just winged it. You know, I didn't do any scouting. I just, I knew the holes, you know, from back in the day. And I uh, thought we'd just have some fun and, and go down there. We go down there and there's like no water at all. It's like, oh my gosh. All right. Uh, we, <laughs> I, I know we just invested all this time to get to this spot, yeah. but uh, uh, we got to go. We got to go somewhere else, you know, to try to salvage the day, which, which we did. So. Oh, good, good. Uh, when you said, how do you scout for fish? Um, a, a lot of scouting for fish is just essentially putting time in on the water, right? So, okay. uh, learning the water, uh, like the, the river, for example, uh, the river changes every year, uh, based upon the ice flows and so forth. Um, it creates different channels in the rock and different oh, okay. eddies or different, uh, different holes. So being out there in those low water times, like you discussed in the mm-hmm. summertime, um, you know, through the years when I was younger, really gave me the opportunity to kind of learn what the bottom looks like just by looking at the top so mm. when i was in the river when it was really really low versus in the river when in the spring you, you you're able to take those mental notes that you gained in the summertime and you're able to look at that water in the spring and be like all right well i know that that hole is right there and that spot uh-huh. looks calm so i can go to different spots in the river um and and know the kind of the same contour is is below without having to actually visibly see you know the bottom oh, wow. so wow that i always try to ask the the fishermen that are out there like why they fish at certain spots because sure. being out there those fishermen will go out first thing in the morning and and i noticed there could be the same guy three days in a row at the same spot or three different guys but they're all at that same spot so right. i'll ask them i think I, I asked during catfish season i asked the guy like why was he right at the base of the dam mm-hmm. and he said i forget exactly what he told me but he said the water the water's a little bit deeper here and that's what the catfish like yeah, you know. so um, like catfishing in the summertime, a lot of times you're looking for bait and you're looking for cooler water. So deeper water means cooler water in the okay. summertime in a river, um, and then bait. So the the turbulent water that occurs at the bottom of a dam when the water's flowing over will actually hold bait fish. Um, so a lot of times oh. uh, your catfish or your, your predatorial fish will will sit close to that because it's easy picking. You know they can oh. they can eat in a Without without a lot of effort, yeah. essentially. So. Well, and that makes sense too because there's guys throwing nets there for yeah. bait fish. Yep, absolutely. Right at the same spot. Wow. Uh, did you you ever uh, fish for carp? Um, I mean, not targeting carp uh, oh. per se, but you, you definitely catch a few. You know, yeah. through the years, um, it, it's actually a really fun fish. Uh, the, the funny thing is, is uh, when Instagram really first started taking off, um, I was still I hadn't launched the guide business yet, and uh, but I was fishing a lot. Um, so, so I was kind of doing funny parodies in my mind and I kept saying that it was the carp run on the mommy river oh, versus right. the walleye run. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you look back a couple of years in some of my social media, there's all these pictures of big carp that I catch in the mommy river, uh, cause they come up and spawn too. Uh, okay. And believe it or not, I started getting all these European followers, uh, and all these people contacting me from Europe that wanted to come fish this carp run on the mommy really? river. Uh, well, it's, it's a big game fish over there. So. Uh. 
where we fish uh, bass a lot as a, as a game fish in North America, uh, in Europe, they, they fish carp. Um, and it's, uh, it's not something that they necessarily eat, you know, yeah. but, uh, but it's a heck of a fighter, uh, fish and it's, yeah. it's a challenging fish to catch at times. So, uh, so it's a sport for them over there. Wow. That's cool. There was a, a guy, uh, well, several people fish for carp in the canal at, at Providence and there was, um, and if, if this guy listens to me so mad at me because I know him, I just can't remember his name right now. Um, but he was showing me and he was talking because he I had, I was working and I, and I rode by and I stopped and talked to him and he showed me his like setup. He had a, a pretty cool setup. It was like three rods on these like alarm things. OK, so like when one bit, it like made a little noise. Yeah, you get notified. Up. Yeah. And uh, and he had caught one, so I was looking at it, and it was in my mind, it was huge, mm-hmm. and it was. But he said, "This is nothing compared to some of the other ones." And now yeah. I see him on, on social media and everything, and these giant fish. Oh and, yeah! And he was explaining it to me because I didn't know that carp um, and um, I don't know other fish. I'm assuming, but um, they they like suck in to the bait or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, and so, so I was asking him like, why you use corn? Cause he was using corn and he said, yeah. because it, it floats there and then they like suck it in or, <clears throat> or, you know, and I'm assuming other fish do that way too. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, typically most of your fish are, are going to have like some sort of sucking motion, just them simply opening their mouth. It wants to fill with the water that's around it. Oh, so okay. a lot of times you're using, you know, baits that are, I guess, set you up for success for that type of, uh, action. If yeah. You will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you eat anything that you get out of the mommy? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, Besides, I think walleye. Mostly, yeah. So, right? so walleye, which, uh, for the most part isn't a resident fish in the river, mm-hmm. um, but there is a decent population of resident walleye. Um, Expl- real quick before you go to what you eat, um, explain that being a resident fish versus sure. non-resident. Um, so a resident fish would be a fish that, uh, stays in the river year round, or at least the majority of the year. Okay. Um, whereas the, the bulk or what people travel from around the country, uh, even the world to, to fish the mommy river for in the spring is fish from Lake Erie uh, and Lake Huron that, that come into the Maumee River to spawn. Okay. Um, so it's uh, so that's that's the big draw, you know, during the uh, really any time from um, St. Patty's Day through through mid-May. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, back to... Back to eating fish. Yeah. So, uh, so growing up, I mean, I, gosh, honestly, we would eat the bulk of the fish that we would catch. You know, my grandpa would... Uh, we'd catch catfish. we eat catfish. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was from, well, he... My grandma was from Kentucky, so they had some southern roots, um, and we learned how to properly clean and uh, and cook catfish, uh, even in the summer months when the meat's a little bit softer than it was in the in the colder months. Um, and that was the main fish I think that we we would keep growing up. Uh, there's a there's a big population of smallmouth bass on the on the river, um, but bass to me has always been just a fun fish to catch. Oh, okay. um, it's uh it was something i never really kept again i just purely out of the fact that typically i had walleye in the freezer you know Mm. and uh in my mind there's no better you know eating fish around so there's not really a need um now to this day though i I will trade you a catfish for a walleye anytime during the walleye run so if you're around my boat and you get any good channel cats uh just come on over i'll give i'll trade you a walleye for a catfish all day oh yeah man i i love them especially in that cold water it's it's a fantastic uh (laughs) A delicacy, if I guess, if you will, for yeah. me, um, being somebody that that really primarily focuses on walleye throughout the course of the year now. Wow. Do, do you find that uh, cleaning fish, each fish is a lot different, or is it pretty similar? 
Um, for the most part, it's similar. Now, catfish is very different than most fish, being um, they have a really hardy skin. Um, mm. So where most fish, you're uh, you're easily able to you know take your knife and separate the skin from the from the fish meat itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, catfish, you actually have to kind of use vice grips and pliers and kind of pull that oh, off. Wow. So so it's definitely a little bit different. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's honestly I, I feel like all. Um, cutting fish or, or butchering deer and different things. I mean, it's just kind of simple anatomy type of stuff that if you just pay attention a little bit, you know, it's, it's not too challenging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I looked up, um, I wanted to raise rabbits for, yeah. for meat. And I looked up, there's several YouTube videos that showing you how to do it. Um, and it didn't get very far because Andrew didn't want to have dead rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I really looked into it because it's, it, to me, it's like a, but part of my brain is like, I'm always a prepper. Yeah. Like, like I'm like, oh, something's gonna happen, and I was, and that's why we had ducks at one point. Um, and I always made sure the ducks were also gonna be good moms. So if I had to have them hatch eggs, they could. They could. They want to do that. Um, same thing with the rabbits. Like obviously the rabbits can can multiply like crazy, and it's just something easy to do. There's meat. Um, seems from the videos, obviously it would be trial and error. With the videos, it seems pretty easy. Just don't hit the gallbladder, uh, possibly some other organs. Otherwise, it spoils the meat. Um, and, um, like I said, it didn't get very far, but eventually I think I do. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll say, uh, YouTube is a wonderful thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it really is like, it's, I feel like a lot of the stuff that, uh, uh that I've done in life is, is really been from trial and error mm-hmm. and using things like YouTube or various resources to, to learn, you know, it's kind of been one thing that I've never been afraid to try something new because yeah. I, I knew that. The world isn't going to end if you mess up one thing, you know, mm-hmm. so you just got to kind of continue. But uh, YouTube sure uh, cuts down on the failure. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> it's helped me fix a dryer. It's helped me put in a headlight. It helps oh, me yeah. do a lot of things. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, when you take people out on your on the charters, um, let's, just, let's just focus on the mommy right now. Sure. Do you find it, it's mostly um, – Individuals, or is it, or usually like groups of people that go together? So uh, when I, so I was the first person to um, actually run like legitimate licensed Coast Guard uh, trips on the river, and in doing so, it was kind of trial and error. You know, I really didn't know what pricing to do. I didn't really know the demand. Um, honestly, I I didn't know that anybody would uh, would want to pay me to take them out fishing. I just kind of figured, oh, what the heck, I'll do it before uh, before the the wall. I you know on the lake type of stuff. Okay. Um, and it, it really boomed like crazy. I mean, right now I have probably 50 people on a wish list. So what my wish list is, is I'm fully booked for this year's run. I have five weeks that I can run my trips or that I schedule them to make sure it's during peak times. Okay. And, um, so I won't book more than a year in advance because I think it's not fair to tell somebody that you can't have the same day if you want to rebook me for next uh, year type okay, of thing. Okay. So I create a wish list and the wish list, as soon as the mommy river run is done, if I have any openings, I'll go down that wish list and I'll, I'll contact people. Um, and to, to me, it's, it's really, uh, about learning every day, um, and teaching, you know, my passion. So in my opinion, uh, when you're successful at things in life, you enjoy them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, I look at my charter business as, as it's really a teaching gig. Okay. I just happen to be teaching fishing, right, or teaching hunting. Um, so I try to be very educational, very informative. Um, I try to make sure that all the equipment is top-of-the-line stuff, the same stuff that I would be using uh, myself, you know, if I was out fun fishing for myself, you know, yeah. type of thing. So um, it started with 
me having three people on the boat, and that's condensed now to two people. Now, COVID had something to do with that in 2020, um, but what I found was that people start having a lot more enjoyable of an experience. So the the boat has to be smaller, you know, on the river to be able to to navigate yeah. and so forth. So, uh, so it's really smaller groups now at this point. Um, for larger groups, I would recommend like Detroit River or Lake Erie, you know, type of stuff um, to be able to kind of get out families or, or larger groups. Yeah. Do you do you find it's more um, like novice fishermen or more experienced people that you take out there? You know, it's it's kind of 50-50. Okay. Um, so the uh, a lot of the Maumee River stuff is, is bucket list things for people. Um, mm. So people, maybe they worked in Toledo or they drove by uh, the 475 bridge at one point, you know, in the last 20 years and saw a thousand guys yeah. lined up shoulder to shoulder. And they're like, <laughs> what the heck is that? You know, and then they start looking into it and it seems so intimidating that they never wanted to try it on their own. So, so there definitely is that. Um, there's not a lot of like first-time fishermen, uh, if you will. Believe it or not, we get a lot more first-time hunters okay. uh, on our duck hunts, which blows my mind because like my style of duck hunting is a very extreme style of duck hunting. That's <laughs> like should be like a serious duck hunter's bucket list thing, not yeah. a, not a first-time duck hunt. Um, but uh, but no, it's. Uh, uh, but again, you know, I mean, we get everybody. You know, last year I had uh, Jordan Strack of uh, W2L on. Yeah, and oh, that was cool, yeah. Jordan hadn't had a fishing pole in his hand in 20 years, you know. So it was start from from scratch with casting and everything, you know. And while we're shooting a, a TV, <laughs> essentially, episode, <laughs> uh, trying to get him to catch a fish, you know, it was pretty fun, which he ended up doing. I'll uh, give him some credit for that. Wow. So, uh So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely everything from beginners to really really experienced people that uh, maybe just don't want to take their boat in the river mm-hmm. maybe they have a nice boat or uh, a boat that okay. they don't want to damage so uh, they'll, they'll pay me to take them out um i have a group this year from southern ohio that uh has me for five days straight uh this wow. will be two years in a row and for them it was uh they've been coming up for 30 40 years uh and they just don't want to have to stand in the cold water anymore mm-hmm. So rather than pull a boat up here, you know, they can pay me a couple hundred bucks a day to take them out and <laughs> kick back, you know, and they get to relax while fishing. Yeah. You know? So pretty neat. Wow. Yeah, that is cool. Especially it, it, it's, it has to be cool to get people returning because that means you did something correct. Absolutely. You know, you, you would hope uh, every time you go out that people catch fish and, and they're excited, but they're excited enough and had a good enough time to say, hey, let's do it again. Yeah. So, you know, going into the, like the fishing and hunting business, um, for me, my background is in business and sales and customer, you know, experience yeah. or customer service. So I feel like it parlays really, really well in this business. And the way that I judge success is not necessarily how many fish we caught or how many ducks we killed on a given day, but it's how, what was the experience they had in the day? Mm-hmm. Did they learn something new? And then like you just said, do they want to repeat next year, yeah. you know, type of thing. Yeah. So, so that's how I gauge my overall success. I know we've gone, uh, twice, I think. Yeah, yeah, and twice, and uh, we, we had we haven't caught anything. But I, well, I, I tell you what, I think Mateo caught one. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. <laughs> I tell you what, though, we're we're out there. Um, I don't know, six hours, five hours, whatever. Um, and and knows amount. Of, and Mateo, Mateo's nine now, but I think he was six the first time we took him, maybe yeah. or seven. Yeah, and he didn't complain. He really enjoyed it. You're really good with kids. I don't know how many kids go out on boats with you, but if you if you're listening to this and have a, a, a kid, Zach. Zach is the dude to go with. Well, uh, Mateo was the exception. So normally we have an, an age limit, you know. Oh, uh, okay, um, okay. But knowing you for so long, you know, we, we took Mateo well, I appreciate out early. That. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I like it. Like, I, I guess, you know, I, I just talked to you about how I like to educate people and stuff. And the way I look at, like, outdoors activities is if we don't get the youth involved, then yeah. it's not going to be around forever, yeah. you know. So it's really important to make sure they're having fun and, and they're engaged, you know. Um, but... 
for all the listeners, uh, 10 is the age limit for, uh, for, for boating uh, and then duck hunting 16. Okay. So, uh, so those are the age limits. Well, even 10, <laughs> like you said, 10, get, getting youth involved. And that's, as far as me, like for football, like I want kids to get involved when they're young. Not necessarily playing tackle football because I think that's a different conversation, but I don't, I don't think that should happen until later. But just being involved. Mateo's playing, been playing flag football since he was six. Nice. Like just, just being involved. Same thing with, with hunting and fishing. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, if they're not doing it, if if the younger kids aren't doing it, then it ain't gonna be there. Yeah, right? you're 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 right. You know, and there's there's kind of two schools of thought on this, like with conservation and getting new people mm-hmm. into uh, the outdoors. Is you know, do you, do you put a lot of effort into the youth, or do you put a lot of effort into maybe somebody like myself that got it uh, into hunting in their twenties, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a little bit of you know, kind of some stuff that's opened my mind a little bit has been you, you think about a twenty year old um, versus a ten year old. So a twenty year old has a vehicle. Uh, he has a job or, or might want a job or in, in school or summer, has a little bit of extra money, you know, to be able to spend in the industry. So they're buying products and services oh, yeah. and things. Um, so it's actually, you know, the, there's everybody's important, you know, and the way I look at it is if I can get anybody out, whether it's a kid, whether it's an adult, whether it's a senior citizen, you know, and show them something that they didn't already know or yeah. get them excited about something, then, then it's definitely a win. That's awesome. If people want to um, go with you on, on, any other fishing trips? Do they ever? Do they need to bring anything? Um, the well, yeah, like your basic stuff. So not really equipment, if you will, for fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we provide all the fishing equipment, if you will. Okay. Uh, but you know, sunscreen, a camera, uh, sunglasses, like clothing type of stuff. Now, duck hunting is a little different. You got to bring your own gun, your own shells uh, for liability purposes. Um, and you know, with that, you got to have a little bit more equipment as far as like warmer clothing and things, because yeah. that happens uh, in the in the fall, late fall, early winter. Um, but no, we, we provide the the bulk of of what's necessary. That's awesome too. Um, when people when you duck hunt, are there particular ducks that you look for, or is it just like? If it's a duck, let's get it. Or are you allowed to? So I mean, yes. Ducks? If it's a duck, let's get it. Um, it I heard a funny line um, recently that that I, I think I'm going to steal, and that's that my favorite duck is the next duck over the decoys uh, because <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a guy of action. I, I like to to pull the trigger, if you will, when I'm uh, when I'm duck hunting. Um, but uh, um, yeah, so the. Honestly, I just forgot your question. Oh, just about the different kind of ducks. Oh, you the get. different ducks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we primarily hunt diver ducks on Lake Erie. I mean, that that's what we have the, the bulk of, anyways. Um, and, and of that subspecies, I guess, if you will, of ducks. So, a diver duck, just to kind of educate, is a, a duck that uh, lives its life ninety nine percent of the time on water, and it dives down in the water to eat either mussels or or fish or vegetation. Um, but it's not it's not a duck you're going to see in a cut cornfield or okay. in a marsh uh, eating grass, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, primarily diver ducks is what we hunt or what we target, anyways. Um, and then the main species that we have in this area is uh, locals. We call them bluebills, uh, formerly known as, as scop, so lesser or greater scop, uh, primarily lessers, and they have about they're about ninety percent of the birds that we have during the course of the season. Um, and there's a lot of other species too, you know, kind of mixed in. So there's buffleheads would be our next uh, big population of birds in our area. And then we get migratory birds throughout the course of the season. So you get your canvas backs, your redheads. Um, we've been seeing a lot more uh, goldeneye in the last couple of years. Uh, we've also been seeing a lot more sea ducks. So oh. a difference between a sea duck and a diving duck is a diving duck uses just its uh, its feet when it goes underneath. 
a sea duck will actually use its feet and its wings uh, to be able to go uh, below the surface. So oh, it'll wow. actually be able to cover a lot more area, be able to go a lot more uh, deeper water type of thing. Um, not really sure why we're seeing more sea ducks on Lake Erie the last two years, uh, but I like it. I like yeah. the I like the variety. Um, the 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 bluebills that that we primarily have um, our limits only two, so it makes for uh, it makes for more f- I guess funner hunts uh, when we can shoot a larger var- a variety of ducks. Oh yeah, because if you hit your limit, if you're going for this particular duck, you hit your limit, you're going to be done. Yeah, yeah, because your overall limit six, but then your subspecies limit of of uh, bluebills is only two. So of course you'd love to be able to shoot your six each day, um, but uh, it some days it doesn't happen like that, you know. Um, and that's just that's hunting, you know. Yeah. It's, that's hunting and fishing. You can't control the fish. You can't control Mother Nature. Uh, Mother Nature, you know, as the, the couple times you have fished with me, it's been extremely windy. Yeah. And uh, I think once or twice we've had to cancel because of either flood conditions or real extreme winds. Yeah, because so. we were going to go, I think the last time we were going to go to Detroit, but you just said yeah. it's, it's, not, yep, it's yep. not safe out there right now. Yeah, sometimes you got to make that call. I hate, yeah. I hate doing it, but uh, you got to be safe. I mean, you, you, you know? still got to look out for the customer. Oh, absolutely. Because right? they see it as... I just want to fish and you're the one who knows right yeah. what's going on yep. and, and hopefully the customer understands that too you yeah know? The, the, the way i look at it is is i will put myself just from being experienced and doing this uh for many years i will be out in a lot tougher conditions than yeah. i'll actually put a client because you don't know their seaworthiness yeah. if you will and like you said it's it's a business and you don't want to risk anybody's you know safety by any means yeah. so yeah. i always start every single trip with a a safety debrief. And I, I tell people that safety is my number one priority. You know, my job for the day is to make sure that I take you out and then I get you back safely. Yeah. That, that's the main thing. Nice. Um, I remember seeing a post on, on social media and you might not know what I'm talking about or you remember. It was a post of a hunt, a duck hunt you went on. It was a, it looked like a bunch of different kind of ducks. And I don't know if you, if you titled it something or somebody else did, but it, it sounded like a particular achievement you guys did or almost did of like getting a certain amount of ducks or a certain species of ducks or something. Do you remember what I'm, you know, how long ago was it? Ah, maybe a month ago, maybe not even. Um, so it could be, so I had a couple different, uh, like neat personal experience hunts. Um, we went up to, I go up to Saginaw Bay and fun hunt. Um, so to extend my season before we start running our our guided hunts on Lake Erie in October, uh, we had a hunt where we targeted old squall, which are a sea duck, um, and they, there's a large population that, rather than being in the sea, um, use Lake Huron, uh, if you will, as okay. their their preferred waterway. Um, so we had a hunt where we just targeted old squall, uh, a couple buddies and I. Uh, so that was a, a pretty neat hunt that got some notoriety, if you will, online. But yeah. but again, it was. Uh, it was it was a fun hunt for me. It's not something that we guide up there at all. I, I was, however, with a guy. Uh, his name was Mike Martin, MMO Charters. Check him out up there. Uh, he's a really cool guy. Um, runs a, a serious operation up there. But uh, um, then I just got back from New York. So our season ended on the 27th of December in, in northern Ohio. Um, <clears throat> so that meant my, my guide season, my work season is done. Okay. Um, well, we went out to New York, and we, uh, we targeted sea ducks uh, on Long Island. So we were uh, roughly in the South Hamptons area, um, which is crazy. You know, duck hunting in a beach when you have ten hundred million dollar homes uh, right behind you. Uh, pretty, pretty uh, neat experience. Uh, you know, and then uh, and on top of that, you shoot a duck and you got to get it right away. Otherwise, a seal grabs it. You know, you never think about wow. that or being from around here. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but uh, but the goal of, of any person who goes out there to sea duck hunt is a, what's called an East Coast slam. So an East Coast slam. That's what it was. It probably yes, is. yes. So it is, uh, it is five species of sea ducks that they have on the Atlantic Ocean. Um, 
So there's there's three species of scoters. There's a white wing, a surf, and then a common or a black scoter. Uh, there's a, an old squaw or a long-tailed duck, um, and there's also uh, common eiders. Um, and my first day out there, I had like a hunt for the record books. Um, I, I shot my uh, my East Coast Slam in the very first day of a three-day hunt. Wow. Um, it was all like perfect specimens, um, which actually are all at a local taxidermist. Um, I got a buddy who lives uh, in Oregon here that oh, uh, nice. does my taxidermy. He's fantastic, fantastic. Greg Pauloff of Fallen Feather Studio. Um, and uh, Greg's going to do just this crazy, crazy mount of, of six ducks and uh, I'm going to have some handmade decoys that we were hunting over actually mounted with it and stuff. So it's going to wow. be a big, huge, like art piece type of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I, I don't look at like birds on the wall and things as trophies. Uh, to me, it's, it's art. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I'm really picky with what I put on my wall. Usually it's like museum quality, like the perfect specimen of the species, you know, type of thing. Do and, you know, like right when you get it, like you shoot it and right when you get it, do you know like, oh yeah, this is going to make oh, a yeah. good one? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, what, what makes a good one versus a bad one? Um, so, uh, so, so ducks, they actually have their best coloration usually in the spring. Uh, so during mating season, um, you know, most of the animal kingdom, like the males will be at, at their, at their best, their yeah. peak, uh, coloration. So, okay. um, you know, we don't get to hunt, um, waterfowl, uh, based upon, you know, our, our laws and regulations during the spring. So, um, you, you're typically what happens is then in the early summer, a lot of the ducks will start losing those colors and by early fall a lot of them will be brown and, and they'll kind of just be Drab really looking. dull colors yeah so so what you're looking for is you're looking for really distinct colors um really straight sharp lines and the differences of colors so mm-hmm. they don't blend but it's like god snapped a chalk line and there's uh, a difference okay. between black and white you know type of things in the in the feathers um and then also you're looking for size of bird you're looking for uh quality of, of the feathers and it being in good condition and you know, and again, you're, you're, you are shooting them with a, with a shotgun. So on top of that is, you know, is it still in a good quality that it can be displayed properly? Or, or did I unfortunately, you know, kind of mangle the feathers and stuff and now I got to try for another one? Or do I have to <laughs> make my tax, taxidermist really a uh, serious challenge? You know? Yeah, because that's uh, their job too, right? Part, part of oh, their yeah. job? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, uh, so I, I brought multiple um, species of, of, or multiple, I guess, specimens of each species to Greg um, for this, this particular mount that I, that I'm looking to have made. And, you know, from there, I, I let him judge them uh, a lot of times. Okay. Now, that's not always the case, right? So a lot of times it's like you shoot a bird and it's just like, man, this bird is the perfect bird, yeah. so I'm going to take it to a taxidermist. It's, not, it's pretty rare. I mean, this will be the first time I ever have anything more than two birds mounted from one thing, you know. Okay. So uh, so usually you don't have that kind of choice selection. Yeah. Um, but but again, we were we were blessed with a really, really awesome hunt. Wait, you, got, you have to send me a picture of that when it's done. Oh, I will. That's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Do, do you have a lot of birds on your wall? Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, no, not a lot. Uh, <laughs> well, compared to a lot of my buddies, no, not a lot. Okay. But uh, uh, but yes, that's all in the eye of the beholder. Okay. Um, so I, I do have six ducks on the wall. Okay. I have two turkey fans and a, and a deer on the wall as well. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other what other birds do you besides duck and the turkey? You say what other birds? Uh, other birds so the um, kind of the, the funny thing when uh, you you start hunting or when I started hunting, anyways, was. Uh, like the main bird in our area, or really in the United States, is a, a mallard. So a green-headed mm-hmm. duck you'd see in parks and stuff like that, right? Yep. Um, <clears throat> I remember when I first got into it, you know, I, 
you're, you're in it for a trophy and you, you got to get a trophy, you know? So I, I, gosh, I, I was young. I kept taking ducks to the taxidermist and uh, he kept being like, no, no, not good enough. Nope, nope, not good enough. Nope, 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 not good enough. And finally, um, I, I, I shot this really, really nice mallard and I knew I'm like, yes, he's going to finally say, yes, this is a good one. And I took it in and I took it in with another bird. Um, that was in the pile and he goes, yeah, that's, that's a good mallard. I'll definitely mount that. But what, what's up with that black duck? And, you know, I was really young and I had no idea what, what a black duck was. I, I, I just thought it was a, a different version of a mallard. No big deal. And okay. it turns out it was like the primo perfect of the primo perfect of that species. You really? know? So, so I was a young kid who had a bigger taxidermy bill than I expected, uh, having to do two birds the first time. <laughs> um, but uh, I do have two more mallards then, and then I have a pair of redhead ducks that uh, um, I shot here in, on Lake Erie, which is not a species that we get a ton of in the area. Um, and it was kind of the same thing. I, I shot two, um, took them into the taxidermist. I wanted the, the drake, which is the male version, done because mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. And he was like, well, what about, that? what about that hen or what about that female one sitting there in your, in your truck bed? I'm like, well, I mean, it's just a hen redhead, no big deal. And he goes, yeah, but look at that coloration and all this cool stuff. And and I, I guess <laughs> I didn't even. Oh yeah, he talked me into it, and, I, and I'm so Sales glad he him. did. So, yeah. um, so a redhead hen uh, actually will uh, will get gray and white in its head, kind of like a, a human being does mm-hmm. as it as it ages. Well, I had I really didn't know that, you know, at the time, and hadn't really shot a ton of them or seen a lot, you know, with that color phase. So, uh, so it's a unique you know, uh, thing, I oh, guess, wow. if you will. So kind of back to that whole art piece, yeah. you know, type of collection. Well, and, and that's, what's cool. I mean, obviously he's trying to sell you like, Hey, let's do that one too, but he's explaining to you, right? Oh yeah. Why, absolutely. why this is good. Um, and, and I, that's his job, but also as the artist, like it, that is, so, so my thought was when you brought him a bunch of birds from the East coast, like, then you're telling him, you tell me which ones are yeah. good. Right. Yep. For sure. Um, and that's, that's the same thing with like, the tattoos I get, I tell my tattoo artist what I want, and I don't even see the drawing, and so he puts it on my arm. Nice, because because it's his art. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just his canvas. Yep. but I'm not gonna tell I'm not gonna tell him how to tattoo. Like you're not gonna tell your taxidermist. No, I want that duck right. now. He's a businessman. If someone's going to fight him about it, he'll do whatever, right? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. just still looking out for the customer. Yeah, so I, I actually give liberties a lot when it comes to, that's cool. like, the overall presentation of the bird, yeah, too. So, cool. um, you know, again, he he's a heck of an artist. So, like, I have ideas, and I'm like, all right, here's my general idea of how I'd like it displayed and so forth and what flying formation or sitting formation or, or swimming, you know, uh, orientation I'd like to have it in. But other than that, man, run wild. Because yeah. um, to me... You know, I guess within reason, um, I'm not going to try to save 50 to $100 on something <laughs> if, if it could be something that, that, you know, somebody walks into my home and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's beautiful, yeah. you know, especially somebody who knows what it is. Yeah. I really like it when people who don't know what they are like, oh, my God, that's cool looking. Yeah. You know, but but it's really, really impressive to me when another wa- serious waterfowler walks in and they're like, oh, man, that is just perfect, you know, type of thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that makes you feel good. Like, yes, I got some good ducks. And then also this this. Taxidermist. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. Yep. Um, I know you said you do mostly shorebirds. Yep. Um, one duck that I I've seen a couple times, and it's because several bosses ago he was he's a big birder. Um, 
uh, wood duck. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like those. Gorgeous. Are, are those are those things that you can shoot too or not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so wood ducks uh, typically are, are local ducks or or resident birds mm-hmm. that, that will stay here throughout the course of uh, most of the year. Then they leave. So they're usually an, an early bird to leave our, our area. Okay. Um, so I don't get a chance to shoot a ton of wood ducks. Um, oh, just because it's just not based upon the seasons season. and, and okay. so forth. Um, but and just kind of where I'm at at that time of year. Um, but man, they are. They're gorgeous, and you know you want to talk about delicious. Uh, they, oh really? Oh man, they eat acorns and you know just great things from the woods, uh, you know, year round. Um, so they're just a, a wonderful, wonderful table fare. This was going to ask you: all, all these ducks you shoot, you eat all this meat too? Everything. Everything. Obviously, there's some like you said, the wood ducks better. Yeah, right? the wood ducks better. Like the sea ducks are, you know, as, as bad I guess if you will as it gets. Um, but you know, the the way I look at that stuff is, you don't shoot something. You know, don't take a life of something that you're not going to to eat, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, even though you know, I, I guess I would be remiss if I said that we hunt for food because in the reality, it's it's easier and it's cheaper to go to a grocery store and buy something, you know, or go yeah. to a butcher. But uh, at the same time, I mean, I like the different textures, the different tastes of, you know, the different animals, if you will, that, mm-hmm. that I harvest throughout the course of the year. And plus, to me, it's kind of neat, like you said, being a little self-sufficient yeah. and knowing that I can go to my freezer, you know, and grab something in, in a time of need versus yeah. uh, having to run down to the local Kroger or Walmart and, you know, fight the crowds. Yeah. Well, that's why I got this freezer behind me is my father-in-law shot a deer a few years ago yeah. and he needed more space and he put most of it in here nice. i love i love venison oh it's delicious it's so good um but now it's full of um the the people over at weber farms will hate me but it, i order a butcher box do you so, yeah oh no don't don't tell tony and michelle <laughs> i know i know i was i was gonna bring it up during the podcast like how do you feel about people who order butcher box? <laughs> but i didn't bring it up um but yeah that that's cool too and i i wasn't even one that shot it but i enjoyed like coming in here like hey this my final law shot this thing, yeah. and now we get to eat it, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you have you ever shot a moose? Have you ever done moose no. hunting? No, no, I've never done any western hunting. So my, um, so I love moose. Moose is really good too. Uh, I don't know if you've ever eaten it before. It, it's the best venison, if you will. Oh my yeah. gosh, it, it's so good. My um, a family friend of of Andrea's fam- uh, parents, he goes moose hunting. He tries every year. It's like a lottery or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he goes to Newfoundland oh, to wow. do it, and he says it's incredible. Like, just the hunt, and then like to bring the to get all that meat back because oh, the moose such are a so large big. animal. Yeah. It's unbelievable the size of them. Yeah, it, but it is delicious. And he he's and he he always tells me like how to cook it because it's so lean. Yeah, he says you got it. You cook it basically for like a minute and a half, flip it over another two minutes, and then take it off. Yeah, very <laughs> very very rare with venison. That's yeah. for sure, especially anything that's not ground. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've eaten uh, salmon out of what lake is that in New York? I should probably, probably Lake know. Ontario. I should, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Andrew, I I don't go out on the lakes. I get seasick really easily. Do you? So I don't go out yeah, there. When, it makes sense. Then the river stops right up your alley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't. Uh, I can't handle. It. I, I went on a charter. Ah, this is probably eight or nine years ago on Lake Erie. It was through um, Century, which is a. Uh, it's an irrigation place, but we bought so much stuff from them. They they let our our company go on this charter. Okay, and um, I forget who the 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 business the charter business was, but I took some Dramamine. I was cool, 
we were trolling, catching all kinds of fish. On the way back, that stuff makes me so sleepy. <laughs> like I was just out. Well, the they, they make uh, non-drowsy. Yeah, drowsy. but it doesn't work as good for me. Really? Like, yeah, I get so seasick that it doesn't okay. work as good. So yeah. the, the trick that a lot of people don't know is uh, you really should take it the day before. Oh, really? So yeah, you get it in your blood, you get it in your system, oh. rather than it being like an Advil that you pop right beforehand or an antacid, you know, that you pop yeah. once you get heartburn. Because I think the bottle says like half hour before, hour yeah. before yep. or something. So, so take it the night before you go to bed type of thing, and then yeah. that'll really help. Um, Should you take it again the next day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely okay. then take it in the morning as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. And then maybe that'll help me go to sleep too because cause that thing puts me out. That's right. Andrew's parents have a boat, but I don't go on it very much Yeah, because they like to go upriver and just float down. Sure. I, I, I don't mind moving. If, if I'm moving, I'm fine, yeah. but I, I don't like the floating. Okay. So I don't want to ruin their time, so I yeah. don't go very often because yeah. they know I, I get sick. Um, and it's either it's either I go and get sick and the day's ruined, or I go take Dramamine and my day's ruined because I'm sleepy. Because <laughs> you know? you're sleepy. Yeah. Well, maybe if you take it the day before, you I'm can take the that. non-drowsy version. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Yeah, I never heard about that before. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, all right, so now you're you're uh, doing all these charters, these hunts. Um, when is when do you you talked about a fun hunt? When do you find time to to because it was hard for you to find time just to come here, yeah, right? Yeah. So when do you so, find time for yourself? Um, so I, I do work two full time jobs, and I consider the the charter business a full time yeah. job at this point. Um, and you know it's it's challenging, but uh, I had a boss, a uh, local guy actually, um, long time ago. You know, tell me that uh, if, if you really want to be successful. And, and work in the business industry, you have to plan your personal life just like you plan your business life, right? Okay. So that's really helped me a ton. Um, you know, and I know I had to push you off, you know, for four or five weeks or mm-hmm. so. Um, but like, that's, that's what I do. I, I schedule a lot of stuff um, way far out. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you know, like I said, you know, there are days where we have weather days that I have to cancel on clients and um, I can pull an audible and go do something completely different, you know, something I wouldn't charge somebody for, but, but I could do something different, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but don't, don't get me wrong. I still get my decent amount of days to, uh, <laughs> to fun fish and fun hunt. That's for sure. When you take people out on, 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 on the river or the, or the lake or just duck hunting, do you, um, cause I know when you're with, when you were with me, you were fishing also. So do you also take time to fish or are you mostly like, this is business, I'm helping them? Um, so, so typically the, the river fishing, yes, I'm fishing. Um, or, or any rod and hand style, uh, I'm fishing. Because what that does, it allows me to, to teach with visuals. Okay. Um, plus, you know, on, on top of that, there's some of the river fishing is a little bit more challenging. Uh-huh. And uh, guys or, or, or ladies in general, they, they just they want to take home as much fish as they can. So okay. so I can catch my limit of fish and then allow them, you know, to keep them as long as they're under their, their daily limit as well. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do fish with the rod and hand stuff. Um, the trolling stuff on Lake Erie is a little different. Um, I'm, I'm not doing any reeling in of fish. Um, but, uh, but I am setting rods um, and showing people how to do that stuff so um the the trolling uh world is uh it's a lot different than rod in hand uh not everybody has experience with it um and it's it's very process or detail oriented Uh, so it's important that you kind of follow the same methodology you know and do things in a in a in an order if you will so um, a lot of turnoff that a lot of people have with a lot of fishing charters is that the captain or the first mate does everything um, well, that, that's not me, unless you want me to. Like, I have guys who fish with me on the Maumee River, actually, who I, I don't even know if they 
make any casts. Like they sit there and smoke cigars and drink bourbon, and I fish and I and I hook a fish and hand out the rod to them type of thing. Uh, they, they, that's just that's what they want me to do, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I like to be educational. I like to get people hands on, you know. So so my Lake Erie trips, you know, guys have rods in their hands. They're setting rods. I mean, they're they're being as active as they want to be uh, mm-hmm. because. Again, I think about myself when I was younger and, um, you know, to have somebody to have, to have taught me those type of things, you know, that, that would have been fantastic, you know. So um, I, I really try to be that, you know, for everybody who comes on board with me. Okay. Do, how many people can you take on uh, trolling when you go trolling? Uh, so the, the lake stuff is six, okay. and, and that just has to do with Coast Guard regulations. On some of the 30-foot boats, you know, we should we would be able to handle more from a, a weight capacity or a size of vessel, um, but... There's just so it, it sounds crazy, but in order to run a vessel for hire on the Great Lakes um, legally, based upon federal regulation, you have to have the same licensing as you would to uh, charter a, a freighter on the ocean. Oh you wow! Know? So uh, now there's some different licenses you have to get as well, but, yeah. but the base licensing you have to have, um, and you really start getting into some serious daily paperwork and. and various uh, extra layers of regulations as soon as you have a vessel of more than six people for hire. So even though, you know, we may have myself and a first mate uh, with me, there's, there's never more than six paying passengers. Okay. So, so with you, it's a little more, or with you guys, it's more. Yep. Yep. Okay. And you said when you're, when you're out there trolling that you're helping people, you're showing them if they want to see, right? Uh, that's what we like I say. That's what we did trolling, and and basically it was uh, someone yelling, "Hey, there's one over there! Grab it! Yeah. Hey, there's one over there! Grab it!" And we <laughs> grab it and and set the hook and reel it in. Right? Uh, is that is that what you do to them? Right? Oh yeah. I mean the the, the again we we are blessed right now. You know, so uh, I go back to to our age and stuff, uh, being the same age as you. Like when you and I were were born. Um, the, the fishing on Lake Erie was fantastic in the 80s. Well, in the 90s, it really slowed off a ton. Um, in the early 2000s, it was pretty slow, too, until about 2003. Uh, but right now, um, the, the fishing's better than anybody's ever seen in any of our lifetimes. And oh, wow. really, we're in store for probably 10 to 20 years, you know, bar some natural, you know, crazy event type yeah. of thing. Um, we, uh, we're really blessed with just amazing fishing. So, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of catching uh, that's involved in the, in the trolling trips. And there's a lot of this pole has a fish on, reel it in, this pole has a fish on. Uh, where I mean hands-on, though, is rather than you just reeling in fish, you're also learning what we're doing, why we're doing it, mm-hmm. and, you, and you're aiding in catching fish quicker by setting the gear back out, right? Okay. So uh, you, you can't catch fish unless you have lures you know, in the water. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, wow. Uh, do, do you think the abundance of fish – or how well everything's going, do um, you think it has to do with um, just people being more um, aware of, like, hey, we need to protect this area or protect our waters? Do you think that plays some of it? Um, you know, personally, I think there's lots of factors, and, and I'm by no means a biologist or, you know, fully educated in, in that topic. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, there, there is a lot of uh, state and federal management that's been done to mm-hmm improve uh, our fishing and our hunting or just our wildlife numbers in, in general. Um, and then on top of that, I think that, uh, you know, we, we just, again, it's, it's mother nature, you know, yeah. we're, we're blessed with some, some funky things that happen from year to year, whether, um, you know, the lake freezes and we have, or we have, we don't have floods in the springtime. So the, the success rate of the hatch, you know, improves, um, you know, blue-green algae could be a, a topic to get into yeah. with, uh, you know, what uh, what having algae in the water 
uh, does to the really microscopic level of invertebrates and so forth, which means, you know, more food for the lower food chain, which means more food for the higher uh, animals in the food chain, you know, type of aquatic life. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, there's definitely lots of factors, that's right. for sure. Well, Zach, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I will definitely put your info in the in the the show notes. But if people want to get a hold of you, how do they go about doing? Yeah, it? so you can uh, you can find us online at www.fishandfowl.net. That's f i s h a n d f o w l dot net. Uh, also, fish and fowl uh, adventures on facebook and instagram uh and then i'm zach george one on everything so it's z-a-c-k-g-e-o-r-g-e the number one awesome well thanks again zach it was a pleasure to have you on thanks lorenzo it was great talking to you thanks again to my guest this week zach george of fish and file adventures um you can find all his info in the show notes if you would like to book a duck hunt or uh get out on that mommy river for the walleye run this episode is sponsored by Real JP Multimedia. For all your audiovisual needs, visit realjp.com. R E E L J P.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.